0: What's up, friends? It's Tuesday night. I want to say hello to you. Thank you for joining the live stream. I especially want to give a shout out to my friends at Marvin United Methodist Church in Tyler, Texas. You don't know who this hairy individual is speaking to you. Uh, My name is Adam, and it's my joy to be the senior pastor at First United Methodist Church in Kearney, Missouri. We are about half an hour north of Kansas City. And my buddy John Wayne and I got connected at a pastor's cohort about three years ago now and have become great friends and are excited about this collaboration in ministry. So please drop us a line, uh, all the buds watching on Facebook. If you are um, joining us via podcast or watching this at another time, we're so glad you are doing that as well. As we get rolling here, uh, I have an opening question for you. If you could wave a wand, what food would you cancel? What food would you cancel? Uh, also want to let you know that John Wayne will be coming on in just a minute He and I recorded some stuff earlier today uh, because he couldn't join us live tonight But looks forward to being here live in the next couple weeks as we uh, do our canceled series together So would love to hear from you. If you could wave a wand. What food would you cancel? I would start I have two or three candidates I would start with pickles. I cannot stand pickles I Find them repugnant. Uh, I'm I'm like an eight year old to where like if I go to a restaurant and tell them no pickles, a lot of times they'll kind of come on the side, right? And like the juice will like permeate or contaminate the other items on my plate. So for me, it's pickles. Oh, we got some people chiming in, bailing me out. Shauna says black licorice. I absolutely agree. That's a great candidate. In fact, I hate it so much, I think I pushed it into my subconscious because that might be worse. Than pickles. I love it. Uh, Kevin. Glad you're with us friend <laughs> Potted meat uh, Yeah, I I don't even I'm not even really sure what that is, but it sounds gross uh, Another candidate I have for cancellation is mustard Now my last name is Mustoe, m-u-s-t-o-e And so an elementary school man all the kids called me Adam mustard and it was It was really hurtful to me. And so mustard canceled. You're done. <laughs> you're done Uh, So you can you can weigh in let us know what food you would cancel Uh, before we get to some of our discussion um, Also wanted to wrap up tonight later on um, with some Q&A So is there anything about cancel culture? That you had a question about or that you wanted to see discussed We could do that uh, as a part of our last discussion tonight Or that'll give us some good information moving forward for the next couple weeks in terms of our sermons and things like that. Um, we got some other people weighing in here. Uh, my girl Janet says liver. Uh, yep, yeah, I'm not a liver fan myself, so liver also canceled. The organs we'll keep for our own use, but in terms of consuming them, liver, you're canceled. <laughs> Very good. So when we get uh, when we, when we get the video going here, uh, I'm going to go to a pre-recorded thing we did with John Wayne, uh, and then we'll be back on at the end to do some QA. And so. Um, Throughout the stream if you have questions or anything you want to see discussed about cancel culture We'd love for you to put it in the comments So what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna turn it over to myself as well as John Wayne uh, and we had a discussion uh, which we hope you'll find helpful and uh, Glad you're with us. Here we go All right, I am here with my main man my can jam buddy my brisket brother from another mother John Wayne McMahon say hello Hello, friends. It's good to be with you, Mr. Musto. Yeah, man. Thanks for making time. Uh, we look forward to being live with everybody the next two weeks, but through the magic of technology, we are doing this a little bit ahead of time. So, John Wayne, I just want to cut straight to it, man. Let's not even beat around this bush. You and I have spoken a lot over the last couple of weeks in preparation for this series our churches are sharing. Um one of the things we wanted to do early on was define some terms. You know, this this is a pretty broad topic in terms of canceling or cancel culture and being canceled and all that. So what we shared on Sunday was the following. Cancel culture is when an individual or an entity or a brand violates a social boundary and is decredited and removed from public legitimacy and participation. And, and then kind of separate from that notion of accountability is sort of some additional layers and where cancel culture is differentiated from strictly consequences is is in two ways. One, when it's used as a form of social control, uh, and we talked a little bit about, well, who establishes those norms and and by what criteria, and especially, and this is where we really landed on Sunday, when accompanied by a sense of glee or entertainment, and so I just wanted to kind of start us off here uh, with a time constraints we had, one of us preaches a little longer than the other one, or. <laughs> but is there anything you weren't able to get to on Sunday? Let's have us kind of a director's cut moment. What wasn't able to to maybe um, make the message from Sunday that you thought would be good good discussion for us tonight?
1: Yeah one one quick one that just occurred to me um, even as we we're going through this again is I wish I had time to develop a little bit more the necessity of having accountability someone in proximity, close to you in your life, like I, I think, um, I think Nathan's relationship to David is in place before the call for accountability is necessary.
0: Well established. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I think, I think that was, that's a good lesson for us. Um, who in our lives actually do we answer to like, not in a weird, like authoritarian way, but have we submitted our faith walk to someone else to be able to speak truth into our lives? So a lot of, a lot of ways folks talk about it today is spiritual guidance, Mm guidance, um, spiritual coaching, uh, we have, we have friends. I don't, I don't know if you do, but we, like, I don't know if you have one yourself, but we have friends that talk about having a spiritual coach all the time. Oh, sure. Yeah. I yeah. Thought you
0: were asking if I had friends. I'm like, well, no. I, think, I think I'm talking to at least one.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. Besides me, I know you have more friends than me. I hope so. <laughs> and um, so I think, I think that that's really necessary long before it happens. I, I, as I go through David's story, it reminds me again of, like burnout and problems and issues, mm-hmm. they actually, you're in hot water before the actual consequences start to play out. Mm-hmm. So how how can we be in that place? So that was the first thing. And we could talk about that. But the other one is I, I struggle myself personally. I have a, re, a little bit of a resistance to anything that has to do with canceling somebody. Mm-hmm. So even like... From a Christian standpoint, if we believe in the image of God, if we also believe that evil and injustice is not just a personal act, but powers and principalities and sometimes mm. generational corruption or you know, all kinds of things that go into people making decisions that are wrong or things that happen in a certain way, I just feel like a Christian outplaying, even if it's not for sport, a Christian response of anything canceling, even in the name of justice feels kind mm-hmm. of like hard for me to reconcile those two things. And so one reason it didn't make it into the sermon was because I don't know if I've plumbed the depths of that. Like, I don't know if I've worked it out in my own mind um, how to reconcile those two things. And um, but the other is it just, I think it, cre- it it's needed a format like this, or even in community to be able to work through the nuance of what do we do with people that really cause harm? What is the level of accountability that is not social control and is not sport? Yep. But like what is acceptable for us to carry out? Because the, the luxury of scripture, and I'll be quiet for this the luxury of scripture is that, um, David's story, God sends Nathan. But a lot of times it's not as clear to those that are called to provide accountability to others that God is initiating this whole thing. And so how do we know our role in accountability and how far to carry that out when God's mm. not telling us these are the consequences that are going to be for David? You know what I mean? So like, how does it play out in the real world? That's a hard one for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good question to tee up. There's a lot to think through there as you were talking there at the end, two things, and I think it's good to acknowledge, man, it'd be nice if we could get a little bit of that Nathan hotline action, right? So I would know just what to do or say. But the other piece is David, as you said earlier, had this relationship with Nathan. What do we do when maybe some accountability we want to offer is not being solicited? Right. Uh, and, And how does how does that play out in someone not just reject what we're trying to offer them or I think a lot of folks feel like it may never be their place to be the accountability to, to, to be the mouthpiece like Nathan was um, it's very complex um, what do you think about that structure though to go back to what you said at the beginning the healthiest form of accountability flows from God to me to you right? This is how I feel God leading me. Will you help me? That's much different than what happened in the equation with Nathan, which was God telling Nathan to give accountability to David. It flowed the other way. Mm. And there was a large chance it might not have gone so well had it not been that specific messenger. Yeah. Here's part two. Yeah.
1: So I think I think one, and we talked about, I think you talked about this in your sermon too, and I, and I got into it, but I think proximity was really important. Mm-hmm. I think God ordaining. So when we say proximity, just meaning um, not some anonymous uh, from the Twitter sphere, mm-hmm. because one of the things I, I try to get into a little bit is the Christian response in the midst of cancel culture or whatever we do in consequences and accountability I believe it always should have a bent towards redemption, redemption for the the uh, obviously the victim or those that are hurt. But I believe even for the the oppressor that there should be um, room for God's redemption to work in that. And so uh, for that to happen, someone from the Twittersphere or TMZ or somebody like out there, uh, throwing this out into the public, it's probably not working for the redemption of the parties that are involved. Mm-hmm. So proximity is important. Someone who's close. I think God knew Nathan was the right one that needed to go because Nathan brought the best potential for David's uh, faithful response in mm-hmm. verse 12, I think, or 13, somewhere around there where he says, I've sinned. That's it. No, no strings attached. Hard stop. Yeah. And then the second, the second one is, I think, I think that's also like Nathan had, Nathan was secure whether David, whether David received the accountability or not. I'm Hmm. projecting a little bit, but, but God sends Nathan. Nathan's doing what is faithful to God, not faithful to David or to some kind of political role. He's doing what God told him to do. So if David receives it or not, Nathan's, um, authority or identity or personhood is not changed or affected. That's a freeing place hmm. to, to not have to, like if I went to my boss and I held him accountable to something, I also have to worry about my livelihood. So there was a luxury that Nathan had this kind of place of being able, like the, I'm, I'm just doing what God is telling me to do. So mm-hmm. anyways, those are random, ramb- rambling thoughts.
0: That's the director's cut, baby. Yeah. Well, and your to kind of link to that we've talked about how proximity is important in in the redemptive process and then the accountability process one question you and i have have talked about but wasn't able to get into was what about when there isn't the possibility for proximity like with leaders in public places um what do we do when there isn't a nathan Right, and when when that's not really possible for us to play uh, th- that role, what does accountability look like, sort of on a larger level, when there's really not that personal one to one relationship, kind of like we were describing a little bit on Sunday?
1: Yeah. Well, I think your best shot, even if there's not like a distinct Nathan, is to find somebody in proximity to that person. Hmm. Right. That's like I think that's your your best shot. Like in an organization, hey. Will you at least go with me to confront this person? And and some of the scripture I couldn't get to as well is Matthew 18. Jesus sins. if if a brother sins, which I think is interesting, the familiar, the the family uh, idea of brother, so there's community or proximity. If a brother sins, you confront them, take someone with you. If they, you know, if they won't receive it, go back again with someone else. This kind of like um, this this uh, confrontation instead of cancellation, this uh, take a witness with you and go and do that. And then I think Jesus is pretty hardcore about like wipe the dust off your feet if they yeah. won't receive something. And so I think that's where I come around to where we began this conversation about uh, Christian ethics and cancellation. There, there probably has to be a removal of person if they won't respond like David did.
0: Treat them as you would a tax collector or a sinner. Yeah. So there now, has
1: to be – at some point, they have to be removed from the place of continued injustice and oppression or whatever it is if they're harming other people. And how you do that in – you know it depends
0: on the scenario. I don't know. Well, but to your Respond point earlier, well, in the case of Jesus in what he says in Matthew 18 – then at that point, I think it's important to look at how Jesus treated tax collectors and sinners. Yeah, I think expectations decreased and grace increased. That's something we talked about a few months ago in our church. Um, I love when we uh, when we quote uh, sections of scripture I preached on because I can read. I can reach back. Right. Uh, I can't do that with all of them, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I I think you said at some point the person doing harm does have to be removed or there needs to be a change in the status of of relationships and and I think for some folks that doesn't feel like a christian concept and yet it comes comes out of Jesus mouth
1: well and I think I think here's the here's the point and Paul does it I wish I was a better pastor and could tell you where this is in the bible but Paul does it with people um that are causing harm in the church there are some places where they begin to believe or teach something that's that's outside of the gospel that's outside of like the, the Christian message. And he's really harsh with them, but there are people in the church that do harm. And he tells them to, to, to love them and treat them and confront them with it, but to keep, don't treat them like they're not part of your family. And so I would say in this example, it's not a removal from the body of Christ for a moral failure. It's not a cancellation of the image of God or our view of the image of God on them. But if, Someone is in a place of power or authority, and there is not a confession or profession that what what has been happening is causing harm and as, and an aim to repent it, to repent from it. Then there has to be some act of the community. I would think. I don't know. I just think you have to you have to do that at some point.
0: Something's gonna change. Well, it'll be good to um, have. We've got two more weeks of sermons after this. We've got two more live streams. So, we've got a lot of avenues to be able to kind of get into the deeper waters with these things. Um, I know that um, you'll look forward to being live with everybody. Let me,
1: let me ask you a specific question before you wrap this up. Wraps up.
0: Okay. Yeah. You could see I was. Uh, we have,
1: we have, a, we both share a hero, and we don't have to get into who it is, that had serious moral failure. Yeah. And we are very far removed from them. I mean, we're and, not. We're and they're not, dead. Yes, and they're dead. But we're, but we're not Nathan, right? Like, we are not Nathan, even if they were alive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, what is our role in that? Like, what is the person who is distant, but it's someone who's public and has had public influence? Mm-hmm. What is our role in a culture that would say, get rid of all of their ideas? Like, we're none of it's helpful anymore um, because of this one thing. The The thing that I'm pondering is what's the Christian ethic response in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, I saw, I shared with you a conversation that I saw on Twitter. I think, I think it falls in line in acknowledging that God works in and through and in spite of people to bring great value into the world. Mm-hmm. with at the same time we have to acknowledge that sin um, affects even the mind of great thinkers and leaders. And there is at some point there's a discount that has to happen or a place where we have to say, I don't know if I can put all of my eggs in this basket with this leader, because I don't know where their life is and how they're following Mm -hmm. after Jesus. That's the tension I'm feeling. And that feels murky, even as I say it
0: kind of consider the source sort of deal. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first started in ministry, I would begin my 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 sermons with a prayer, and I would end it by saying, Uh, God, if everybody here knew about me everything you knew, nobody would listen to a word I had to say. And I thought that sounded like super contrite. But people would be like, Uh, we're not sure what you're referring to, so yeah. you may What did you do that? last night, pastor? <laughs> I, really, no, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. But I do think what I was trying to get out there when I was 23 or whatever, was that if we take this to the extreme, you and I aren't fit to leave this live stream. Right. And yet I'm not trying to discount the egregious harm done by people with way more influence. I, I don't just want to sweep it under the rug either. So I guess this is a long way of saying, man, I don't know. And that's part of what I hope to explore as a part of the series is what do we do with great theology from theologians who made some really poor choices and hurt a lot of people, particularly now that there's not even the possibility on this side of eternity, dramatic phrase, but especially when they're dead, it's really problematic when this stuff comes out posthumously.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I, I, I guess in the short term, what I would do is, is maybe use some of the framework, but, leave it somewhat vaguely unattributed. And then after a time, almost like, oh gosh, this sounds like a dumb comparison, but almost how like some people say that Pete Rose or Barry Bond should be in the baseball hall of fame, but just acknowledge, you know, the uh, reality of, of the controversy. Um, I don't know. I I hope the answer becomes clear with more time. But I'm I'm not sure that's that's just what I hope will happen because I'm not I'm not sure what the answer is.
1: Well I think I think that's perfect for our conversation and we could you know wrap it up here because the main the main thing is that I would want our people to hear is this is way more nuanced. Mm-hmm. We are making flash when we participate in cancel culture, I especially when we join the mob. Mm-hmm. We are making flash decisions that are not weighing the nuance and complex Christian ethical implications of what we're doing. Can't fit
0: in, in two hundred characters.
1: Yes, and so I think I think that this is, if anything, I hope for most most of our people, this this series will give us pause as we um, encounter some of the ethos of cancel culture that is around us.
0: I I love it. I guess to wrap it up, I've been thinking a lot about when Jesus tells the woman or when he defends the woman in the episode where he says she has been forgiven much, therefore she loves much. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've experienced some of that. The reverse is, so I feel like I've been forgiven much and loved much. As I think about these conversations what i'm realizing where i'm lacking is in the experienced evil much mm. is that uh does that make sense so like if what what happened to Bathsheba has never happened to me oh that's good yeah and so i'm like well it's easy for me to be, feel all forgiving when the threshold of things that i've been asked to forgive is relatively little compared to other people's yeah that's so that's good. that's where my head's been at uh, and I'm not sure how that'll fit in the next couple of weeks, but some there's a there's a continuum there because I feel like I've been forgiven much and, and want to be quick to do the same, try to be, have been trying to hone that instinct with the old sanctification here for a few decades. But on the other hand, I, I would find it hard if I was somebody who had experienced a lot worse things to hear that from somebody who hadn't nearly endured the things they have. Sure. Maybe there's something there. Well,
1: I think I think that's right. Um, I think that's why Jesus talks about loving your enemies and some things that are really hard. I'm not gonna pretend to be Bathsheba, but the hardest people it's been to be to forgive in my life are the people that have hurt me the deepest. Right. And so that's a pretty hard journey. So now everything that I've just said about Everything tonight, when I weigh it against those relationships, and not wanting to cancel someone,
0: <laughs> uh, well, that's back to proximity. Then now
1: it's harder. Now it's harder to do that, um and so yeah, it's tough. Again, nuanced, layered, difficult.
0: Maybe that if we do a podcast full time, that could be a nuanced, layered, difficult, which I'm yeah That's right. Well, oh, hey me, man, and thank meat. you for making me in me and barbecue. Uh, thanks for making time, buddy. I uh, appreciate you got so much going on and look forward to uh, keeping keep to collaborate these next couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Love you, brother. Love you too. Talk to you soon. All right. So that was uh, Pastor John Wayne and I's uh, earlier discussion. We had some people weigh in, which was great. Uh, Jessica, I'm so glad you are with us. Gail, thank you for joining us. Uh, Trisha, good to see you. We have the mayor of Kearney, Randy Pogue, uh, is jumping on the stream with us. And Shauna, I loved your comment too. So I wanted to to circle back to some things people said. Um, Gail asked, could Nathan have helped prevent or foreseen the danger David was putting himself in? I think that's an excellent question. Um, a lot of times we think about prophecy as future oriented, right? But a lot of times in the Old Testament, it's the prophets are really making sense of reality. And so to what degree Nathan could have been instructed, I think that's a that's an excellent thought. I don't know. Um, I do think though, even if in this situation it could have been subverted, eventually David was going to reap what he sowed right there's This isn't the first time that he kind of goes astray from what god had 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 instructed him and given him. Uh, I thought that was an excellent observation, so uh yeah, to what degree could Nathan have prevented that? Hard to say but I think it would eventually come back around on David. Um, Shauna said, what's interesting is the take on Nathan approaching David versus Moses approaching Pharaoh. Moses was afraid to take the word of the Lord, uh, and Nathan wasn't. Uh, proximity was the key. Yeah, Moses had a hesitation. And John Wayne talked a little bit about Nathan still kind of being secure, and, and I don't disagree with that. I do think we shouldn't discount in the story Nathan sticking his neck out um, I, I don't. I don't think should be should be discounted, uh, because getting into the king's face and saying you are the man. I mean, I, I think that takes a lot of guts, even if even if you're fairly well established. Uh, so appreciate your all's comments. Um, that is going to be it for tonight. We appreciate everybody all the way from Missouri down to Texas jumping on. Join us next week. We're going to be diving again into some of these questions, walking in the tension of what do we do with with uh, folks who have failed. How do we recover from failure? That's kind of the subject of next week. We'll look at uh, Peter and John 21 is going to be our scripture. And I look forward to more great conversation. Why don't I offer us a prayer and appreciate everybody jumping on. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God, thank you so much for the gift of technology that allows us to meet together from a lot of different locations. Uh, We thank you for pastor John Wayne and his ability to uh, have some discussion ahead of time, and we look forward to him joining us next week. Um, God, keep us mindful of the logs in our own eyes as as we seek to uh, clear out the splinters in other people's eyes. God, it's my prayer that as we would read Your Word and and consider this uh, pretty hot button topic, that at the end uh, of all these discussions, that we would emerge more merciful, uh, since we have been forgiven much. Help us to forgive much, and yet at the same time. Help us to call out uh, the truth uh, when it's appropriate and when it's needed. Help us to speak up for other people on behalf of you and help us to be merciful as we do so. God, may we never uh, rejoice in uh, the the death of our enemies, be it social uh, or otherwise. Uh, and would we be people who show the marks of your love and mercy each and every day. Send your sons and we pray. Amen. All right, friends. Thank you so much.